0: Welcome to Booklicious Podcast, where we delve into the world of books and comics and explore the stories, characters and illustrations that capture and inspire us. Join us as we share our thoughts, opinions and recommendations on the latest and greatest in the literary world. Whether you are a passionate reader or just looking to expand your horizon, this is the place to be. So grab a cup of coffee Get comfortable and let's get lost in the pages together. This is Booklicious podcast. Hello, Mr. Steve. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing? Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I'm Priya, and I'll be guiding on conversation today as your interviewer from Go Bookmart. And it's a pleasure to speak with you today. And I really appreciate you taking the time out and discuss your book with us. My pleasure. And I recently had the opportunity to read your book, Prankiness, and it has definitely sparked my curiosity. And I must say your book, Prankiness, offers a truly unique perspective. And I'm very excited to learn more about your insights and experiences as an author. So sure. can we keep things up? First question.
1: Okay, ask the first question.
0: Yes. So the first question is, how is crankiness a superpower? Like you say, it is a trigger. How does it remind us to utilize skillful means? How
1: do uh, you know that? Cranky crankiness is a superpower when it, it really it really pushes you to go beyond where you're at. You know, it, it always like there's there's some frustration and you're feeling cranky and and you could use it to to grow or you could use it not. So my my first. Crankiness book, I have a grown-up guide to effective crankiness called The Crankosaurus Methods, and this is my follow-up book, Cranky Superpowers, Life Lessons, Learned from a Common Crankosaurus Chronicle. So, so uh, uh, the, you know, the the, the thing about what I talk about crankiness, I, I, I call the Crankosaurus, I give it a name, and sorus is a, a Jewish word for problems, so that's like, instead of it's sorus. And uh, the, the the thing is, by giving it a name, uh, it's just something everybody has. And, you know, like in my first book, I, I talked about, like, you're going to see your grandmother, your aunt, you're going into somebody's home, they ask you to take your shoes off. Because I just bought this rug for $20. It's a very expensive rug, and I don't want to get it dirty. And you take off your shoes. But then what we do to each other, like, you know, we could end up like, puking whatever bad thoughts in our head. So so, uh, so by just giving it a name, it's like, okay, I'm not going to beat myself up over it. I'm having something, like I, t- I talk about the common cold, you have one or two a year, a common source. you get two or three in the morning alone. So understanding that uh, and, th- and then when you you see it, you slow it down, you can make it a superpower. And that could be, in, in, in my, my book, there's so many different ways. So just uh, uh, there's Cinderella Crankosaurus where Cinderella, she doesn't get the gown, the the course and carriage. She gets a megaphone, so she learns to have her voice. And she's cranky, but she has her voice, Uh she's heard. Uh, I have a a story with the three little pigs, Inky, Pinky, and Stinky. And they were all going to university, and Stinky, was um watching a lecture how to put lipstick on a pig and stinky <laughs> what a silly thing you know it's just putting lipstick on the pig who needs to know that and stinky started daydreaming and that was this you know says so stinky's a little cranky you know but starts daydreaming and figures out how to build a house with bricks and get the and the big bad wolf doesn't end up too well in in that story so uh uh so the, there, there's so many different kind of like little stories uh, I put in that that you you have a point like I do um with the Wizard of Oz where they're they're saying you're spinning my wheel and the lion ends up getting to eat the wizard, which this is a very, very fun part to write about. So so again, you know, sister they were cranky, but they found her superpowers.
0: Of course, of course well, it sounds very insightful, but for me it's fun as well. it was it, the stories what you've written and what you speak, spoke about that was very fun to hear. So of course your second book as well I would I would like to read it someday. So can we move on to the second question now? Sure. Okay. so how do you find the book about recognizing our crankiness and how can we break a repetitive crime cycle? How do we do that?
1: I'm sorry can you say that again?
0: Yes, yes, I'll read it for you. So how is the book about recognizing our crankiness? How do we recognize our crankiness? And how do you get that from the book itself? And then how do we break a repetitive cranky cycle?
1: Sorry, I didn't understand
0: you. That okay, no worries, no worries. So maybe you can uh, talk about some takeaways from your own life, like how do coaches, psychology professionals, and life hackers often get it wrong. So something some takeaways from your own life
1: oh so so when i i wrote this book uh i, I was i've been married to a therapist, well uh for a therapist for over 30 years and i've written a, i've read a lot of like self-help books uh where it seems like uh it's written by a let's say a, a psychologist a therapist and they're in the first chapter, they have a really good idea. Oh, wow, that's really good. Like reflecting back, you know, for example. And uh uh then you read the second chapter and it's the same point in the third chapter and the fourth, it's the same point. So I wanted to write a book that could help actually I call it a help yourself book, not a self-help book, but uh because like you know, self-serve ice cream is like very passive. Helping yourself is very, very active. So uh uh so that that is uh, so that that's what I, I try to focus in on. But every every chapter is a different piece. It's a, it's a very different thing than the next chapter. So no two chapters uh, are alike, uh, and except they all entertain and uh, they each have some kind of lesson. So in my own personal life, just to give you an example, again with cranky superpowers. Uh, And this, uh, I tell the story in a Grown-Up Guide to Effective Crankiness, my other book, uh, where uh, I actually was quite heavy. I was around 240 pounds, uh, 40 waist. This was December 87. And uh, within like 10 days, uh, my girlfriend broke up with me uh, around Christmas Eve. and, And then on New Year's Eve, my brand new car got stolen. And then i got fired from my job so i lost my girl my car and my job within like 10 days so i was a little cranky and i said to myself no matter how tired i was i was going to go to the gym and uh i i and when i started out i was doing like three minutes on the life cycle and being out of breath and then i keep working at it and, and cutting out different things uh, eating wise and I lost like 85 pounds in five months so I went from a 40 waist to a 32 waist in you know five months and and uh and then within a year I was running marathons so uh and i I'm running uh, in the next month I my 56 marathon so so uh that was that cranky moment in my life uh I decided that, well, geez, I'm going to try to do something about it, as opposed to just get stuck in the mud. So, so that, that I talk about in both books, I talk about uh, the difference between changing a habit and and in uh, ch- creating new normals. And I talk about like a habit, like you know, like your New Year's resolution. You're going to try to find good habits, and you hear people talk about habits. And I, I think habits, whether good or bad, are temporary. It's like finding a parking spot. And a normal, you're changing your normal, something you you normally do. You wake up in the morning, this is what you do. Uh, it's building a house. It's permanent. It's more like solid. You know, you're not going to like build a house and then move out the next day. Parking spot, you might have to move the car. You might want to actually drive it somewhere. So that's that's the difference, and that's what. I, I focus in on.
0: When I must say like fifty-sixth marathon is what I heard, is it right?
1: Uh yes, it, it doesn't get easier. Um uh, some ways it gets easier mentally because I'm used to it, but um physically it's uh, yeah, I'm getting a
0: little had so few for that. <laughs> okay, moving on to next question. So uh what do you think habits or developing good habits does a disservice?
1: What the good habits, um
0: Yes. What do you think like habits or developing good habits does a disservice does,
1: what does would you
0: a disservice?
1: A disservice. Yes. That's nothing wrong with having a, a good habit or a bad habit. I just like uh no, actually having a bad habit is not good. But uh uh the the having uh having uh good habits is you know it's just uh it, it depends on how you look at it like you know I, I think i i call what i do having good things i do is good habits and uh again i i like psych, psychologically i like to call it the normal because I think there's more permanency there like uh um uh, and once in a while I might treat myself like i i'm a healthy eater but once in a while, it's like oh, I'll go get that burger. So, eat something like you know not so good for me. So uh, uh, there, there's there's a difference. It's it's a difference. It's a mental state, I think. So so you could call it a habit, uh, and uh, that could be your habit for you know somebody could smoke for forty years. My father was a smoker. You know, it was his habit, but it was his normal too, uh, and actually. By maybe looking at it as a bad habit, uh, he, he was able. To, he stopped smoking when he, he retired. But yeah, it was it was like uh, he, he became just quitting. He dropped the habit, and then not smoking was the new normal. So you, could, you again, it's a terminology thing, I think. But I, I think the way to look at it and the way to approach it is, if you want to make a change, saying. This is going to be it. I am It's not. I only even have to think about it. This is what I do. I wake up in the morning. I have my coffee. Wake up in the morning. I go for a run. Some days, if, excuse me, I feel like ah, I don't want to run, but it's my normal. I'm going to go out and do it and push myself.
0: Oh, God. That was so insightful. And then I would also like to know how you approach your crankiness with both humor and empathy. Um. Uh,
1: yeah, it's 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 I, I I'm kind of the person like uh, I'll, I'll laugh I'll laugh before I cry. Uh, so uh, uh, I I I just uh, I when I wrote all of this I was quite cranky and and I had to figure out things. Uh, so uh, uh, in finding numerous ways to look at it. Uh, where in the past it was just like ah, just like this steam coming out of my ears. So, one one example uh, in in my grown up guide to effective crankiness, I have this uh, uh, chapter called "Drive Me Crazy Crankosaurus, and it, it's it kind of interweaves all these people in the same experience, having the same reaction. It drives me crazy when, uh, and then. So the, the line in my head, like something happens. I can't, it drives me crazy when, and you fill in the blank. And I can't understand how sorts of again. So like uh so in this uh story, we are going to a restaurant and we're not getting served. And uh and and then we're saying it drives me crazy. When, and of course, three people come in after us, and they're getting served, and they're getting their menus, and they're eating, and they're leaving. We're still waiting to get our order taken, and it's, it's like drives me crazy when it takes forever to get served, and I can't understand how they're not taking our order. Uh, what happens is we complain to the waiter, and, and well, and then complain to the owner, and the owner has a drive me crazy reaction, and then. The owner complains to the waiter, and the waiter has a drive me crazy reaction. So everybody is having the same kind of reaction for a different reason, and it kind of slows it down. I go, oh, yeah, I do that all the time. I get driven crazy. Uh, so, uh, so then, uh, so I I learn from that. Uh, I, I'm an attorney by day, and uh, again, uh, writing. Writing about the experience of a lawyer. I say like in law school, the first year they t- oh, it's three years of law school. So the first year they teach you how to get on people's nerves. And the second year of law school, they teach you how to rub people the wrong way. And then the third year of law school, they teach you how to get underneath people's skin. So if you could do all three things at the same time, then then you're a lawyer. That's why people don't like lawyers. So, so uh uh that's who I surround myself with all day long and I'm an attorney myself and that could get me pretty cranky. But again, having that kind of like, um, uh, chuckle inside, uh, you know, I, I, kind of, I kind of like, uh, uh have fun with it. it okay. I'm not going to get like all kind of bent out of shape. So, uh, I do mediations, I negotiate. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, uh, and a lot of it comes from my, my work. So uh, my, my writing comes from my work. So the, in this one case, the mediator comes in. He goes, gives a message, and we're all kind of yelling at him. And he goes, "Don't shoot me. I'm just a messenger." And like my my reaction goes, "When I was a kid, I, I used to be a messenger too. They paid me like three dollars an hour to be a messenger. This guy's getting five hundred dollars an hour for five hundred dollars an hour." I don't need like i could i could get somebody for three hours. i don't need like such a high paid messenger so so again uh or uh i have another chapter in, in my cranky superpowers book uh cows come home Crankosaurus, where this again it was a mediator now you could argue till the cows come home uh so that created the story in my head with with cows having trying to get cows to come home so Again, uh, it's it's um, it's it's about having fun and uh, with it, and uh, and also educating myself. So when I'm writing this stuff, I'm writing for me as much as uh, the person who I want to read it and maybe get something out of it.
0: When I must say I could relate to this personally like when you were talking i could relate myself and of course i'm taking this point away with me once you do like you have it giggles inside before you get cranky so definitely i'm going to implement this in my own life because i do get cranky at times i'll try to implement i make myself a better little better and try to make crankiness my superpower this is something i could relate personally
1: yes so, yes so so uh and one of the just even in terms of relationships uh uh, again, because that's where we get cranky in relationships. Uh so I, I talk about in the chapter Crankosaurus menopause. Uh first first I have this wedding where like they have to do you take this person for better or for worse. And and oh yeah, sure, yes. Now we have to pick a choice, better or worse. And they also all they they both end up picking worse and then sickness. So but it's a funny story there. But um but then I talk about my own relationship where I say we have a rule where you get to be five, uh, 20% crazy, 5% insane, but you have to be 75% normal. And then you might think that, oh, that's that's a crazy idea. I do the math. Uh, 20% crazy, that's like that's seventy over 70 days a year. I don't know. I can handle that. So, but I say it's counterintuitive because if I told you that you were like, first of all, if I told you we are allowed 0% crazy, you're not allowed crazy at all, 0%. So when you become crazy, because we all become crazy, you can't say that you're crazy. You say, I'm not crazy. You're the one who's really crazy. And that kind of makes me crazy, being told I'm crazy by a crazy person. So So then I start thinking you're insane. And then we have this big one insane crazy fight. But by giving you permission to be crazy... You actually appreciate. Yeah, I'm feeling a little crazy now. And and I'm thinking, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Like 20%. You end up using like maybe one or two percent crazy as opposed to when you're not allowed, you're probably gonna be like ending up 50, 60% crazy. So it kind of works.
0: Yeah, but of course it does. And I could not can relate to this. Okay. So moving on. Uh would you like to talk about some of the messages in your book? Uh, for example, why is, a uh, time in more effective than time out?
1: Um, okay. So that, that was, that was a personal story. Uh, uh, you know, like where, uh, when, when I was a, my, my, daughter is going to be 29 this year. So, so time, that time in time out long went past. but when I was, when she was a kid, we would put her in time out because that's what the books told us to do. And you, you send her up to her room and she's doing whatever she wants. Like, wow, that's really good. And and I was uh talking about my own experience uh of I didn't have a time out. I had a time in. And I, I would explain explain it in the in a couple ways where uh my, my favorite one is when I would my mother would ask me, uh, Stevie, do you feel like taking me to the beauty parlor? And I
0: yes that's what i
1: wanted i want it's a beautiful beach day my friends are going out to the beach and they're gonna have a great time but and it's hot and i'd rather go to the beauty parlor and you know it's like a three hour and and it sounded like i drove her we had to take a bus without air conditioning and and it's hot and we're we're, and it's to allerton avenue in the bronx i grew up in the bronx so in new york city and uh and they they put the, my mother in curlers and they put the little spaceship thing on her head and and uh, it's a it's a whole day to go to the beauty parlor so uh, so that was like a, a like kind of like time in not not the time out and I, I think again I you learn to be patient uh, with all of that stuff with uh with with a time out it's just going. You're just playing and you're almost like getting rewarded for, for uh, uh being being a little bad, I guess, and you going for your time out. But time in, you you learn to take care of people. You know, that that's always the time in was um uh I guess I had to sit with the family and be the remote control person, uh, or switching the channels or doing something uh uh that that was the time in. Um and it, it, it does change your perspective that, you know, if you have to help somebody, it's just what you do. You don't have to get cranky. Maybe you get a little cranky, but, but you don't, you kind of see the good side of it as well. You know, yes, I'm helping my mom out and taking giving, keeping her company and going to the beauty problem, being a good son, you know, that sort of thing. And despite the fact that it might be cranky, and yes, I would have preferred going to the beach with my friends, but it, it, it's it's a learning experience.
0: Well, well, again, I totally blown away with like the way how you explain the things and along with the messages. It's, it's totally fun to listen to you and read, of course. I will be looking forward to all your books, for sure. And these things are and these stories are so relatable that we could always relate. Like, yes, we do need to choose sometimes families over friends, responsibilities over fun. So, yes, of course, the way you explain things is, it's I'm blown away by this at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes, yeah, so moving ahead, uh, one more question. Why do, why do we often forget to prepare the best? Like in chapter 18, I've mentioned, hoping for the best bank service.
1: Uh... Again, uh, it, this is like a, a combination of my, my my life as an attorney, and, and then you know just life in in general. So uh, that that was a fun chapter. But it, what what triggers it is that um, you know I manage lawyers, and um, and they're going to argue, let's say, some motion. They they hope, they hope hope they win, and it's like. We hope for the best. We hope for this. We hope for that. We hope for this. We hope for that. And and the strategy, I'm listening. What's your strategy? Is about hope. And um, so, like I, I like when i managing attorneys, it's like how do we prepare for the best, not just hope for the best. So that got me thinking. I wrote the story about the. This was the Jewish people were slaves in Egypt, and. Um, we get and people get a brochure, tired of uh, winter in, in, uh, in like building pyri- pyramids in Egypt. How about um, springtime in the land of milk and honey? And it says, be forewarned, while we hope for the best, we will only have prepared for the worst. So of course, in this tyranny that takes them 40 years in the desert. I say part of the reason. It's like, well, when the, every you know they go up to Moses, hey, do you bring a map? Uh no map. Well. We hope for the best. We only prepared for the worst. Or they get to the to the sea, and the Egyptians are coming with the chariots. You know, certainly had a cruise ship. I hear your great great grandfather Noah had a had a big cruise ship, and even had a zoo on it. You know, no, we hope for the best. We only prepared for the worst. No cruise ship. You know, so so at, at every point in time, uh, preparing for the worst. They, they, they got the worst. So. So the question is, how do you prepare for the best? And uh and when you prepare for the best, not just hope for the best, you do the work. Yeah, you, know, you just you actually do the work uh, that that's necessary, then again you you end up being less cranky uh and feeling, you know, yeah, I accomplished something, uh, as opposed to like that passive hoping. I just hope you know, whatever. And uh, and not do anything about it and if you're only hoping and not you know you're maybe not going to get where you want to go
0: in order to agree more yes we do prepare for the worst and just passively hope for the best that's true but then yes that's that's something you like manifesting if you prepare for the good then definitely something good will happen for sure
1: yes that's
0: true and before we end the last question we would also like to know about your children's book and the Snoodles series, series.
1: So, okay, I'm going to show you. So I, I do have Snoodles, Poodles, Cadoodles, and lots and lots of noodles. And my, my follow-up one is Snoodles in Space. A Snoodle, Zoodle, Cadoodles, and what happy Snoodle coming out. I think maybe next month or the month, whatever they we get the, the printers going. It's all done, finalized from cover to cover is uh, Snoodles in Space episode two, The Zoodles Strike Back. And uh, and I'm very... So just to explain for the viewers, this a Snoodle was invented by Herbie Snoodleman. And before that, everybody was driving in Krautmobiles, which ran on sauerkraut. It was really stinky and made people cranky. But the Snoodle that runs on noodles, you just go to the ramenolium, fill up your, your Snoodle with noodles, and off you go. And not only that, when you get home, you can press a button and you get a bowl of noodles for dinner. You know, so it's it was it was great, and uh, and and it made everybody happy. So, in um, uh, my next book, it, the the story continues. Uh, so, well, Snoodles well, in space, uh, these parents, uh, her uh, Norman Noodle and Sally Strudel gets ad- abducted by the Zoodles. Uh, to do brain surgery on Clu the Grand Rudel, who became a wackadoodle, and um, and the kids help help them. So n- next book I'm very excited about because, um, like everybody knows, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, where you you have uh, like the bad kids, like now now the Willy Wonka movie is out. The bad kids uh, they get kind of humiliated, and um, so I, I had an idea like. Uh, let me let me like make these kids like heroes at the end. So I have um, uh, these kids because their father was the richest person in town because he had the grudel, which runs on gruel, which was dis- preceded The Crabmobile is even worse than the Crabmobile, but yeah, Frippy Frumpy Frudel and Webby Whiny Woodle, and they go to the Chocoladoodle Factory, and uh, Frippy Frumpy Froodle has a Fitzy witsy Papa Doodle. And first he fits and then he wits and then he popped. And Whippy Whiny Woodle has a, had a swizzly twizzly slime-a-doodle. And first she swizzled and then he twizzled and then she turned into a bucket of slime. Yeah, you know, of course, you know, all the newspapers have headlines, you know, not very kind. The kids up uh, start calling them Papa Doodle and Slime Doodle, but then they end up um, saving the planet, uh, and being heroes at the end. So I do like, I like the stories. Uh, that, uh, there's redemption. People make mistakes, but it's okay. We learn from mistakes and, uh, uh, then they become heroes. So, and then in every, every book, uh, I have a museum opens up. Uh, so in this, like, uh, in the first book, there was an art museum. Then in the second book, there was a space, uh, a space exploration museum. And now I'm going to have an aquarium, uh, in this book. And, uh, and the next book, even after that, uh, is uh, Escape from Traz. And uh, that's a music-themed book, which I'm very excited about. So it's a lot of fun.
0: Well, it did sound very interesting and need not to mention, but the cover of the book was so interesting. I will really look forward for the book to be published and read that for sure.
1: Yes, I have an amazing illustrator. And I actually... I was in England this past week visiting my illustrator, talking about five gazillion ideas, and he's amazing, Andy Case. I was in Nottingham, so so uh, had a good time there.
0: Yeah, so with that, it comes to an end. Thank you so much, C, for sharing your time, insights, and experiences today. It was great to explore the fascinating one of frankiness, and it's That's been truly right. an interesting conversation. And I'm sure our audience will get greatly benefited. From your wisdom and perspective, at least me for sure, I am taking away a lot of things from you today. With that, wishing you continued success with your book and future endeavors. Thank Thank you. you so much for your time.